0: Hello and welcome to the Pod Bible podcast. My name is Adam Richardson. I'm the editor of Pod Bible magazine and a co founder of Pod Bible, and very happy to be here as host, uh, kind of host of this episode of the Pod Bible podcast. I'm only here for the start and I'm only here for the end because the main beef in the sandwich, that's not a phrase, is a uh, recording from the podcast show. We did a live panel at the podcast show in London just a couple of weeks ago uh, in Islington, an incredible event. Full of amazing panels uh, and discussions, and all sorts of wonderful people from the podcast industry uh, having displays and stands. We were there as Pod Bible, myself, Stu, Fran, and Sam uh, spent a lot of time chatting to all kinds of different people from the podcasting industry, from the big wigs at the big companies to small independent podcasters. We were shot by the end of it. Our voices got an incredible workout uh, but we gave away loads of copies of Pod Bible and we had a great time if we met you and you were one of the people who came to our stand and thank you very much and uh, yeah I hope you've enjoyed the magazine when you've been reading it on your train home and I hope you spread the word and get more people reading Pod Bible but let's stop chatting because we're going to get to the main event which was our panel at the podcast show and I was going to do an intro I was going to introduce the guests I was going to say what the panel's all about but I don't think I need to do that Because Fran Taraskis, who is our digital editor, she hosted uh, and headed up the panel at the podcast show. She's going to introduce everybody that you're going to hear from now and let you know what it's all about. So let's cut straight to it.
1: Hello, welcome to the Pod Bible Live podcast. Uh, I was going to do the. Full introduction: the podcast podcast where we speak to podcasters about podcasts and podcasting. <laughs> yes, got it. That's a success for me. Uh, we used to say that that's the metarist you can get in terms of podcasts, but we are doing this at the podcast show, <laughs> so I think we've reached peak podcast inception right now. My name is Francesca Turewski. I am the digital editor for Pop Bible Magazine, and uh, today we are going to be talking about networking and community building with indie podcasters in particular. So I have a couple of people here that are doing that in slightly different ways with their shows and their networks and their businesses. Um, So I will introduce you to our panel initially. We have a very nervous Fran, for one thing, so (laughs) do
2: forgive me. It's okay, Fran, we're behind
3: you.
1: I don't think they look too <laughs> scary. I, th- I think we're okay. I
2: yeah, think we're all in a safe like space nice. here. Right. Podcasters are typically quite docile, happy people. So I think you're okay.
1: This is true. This maybe is very in, true. Maybe
2: one in 50 is ferocious. So <laughs> like, sh- so who's it going to be? Yeah. There's
1: one ferocious <laughs> podcaster.
4: It's, in it's only
1: when they're queuing for the pick and mix at yeah, the Aircastle. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, this is the first time that I've actually done a live panel. So I do panels occasionally for my own nefarious purposes. But this is the first time that I've done it for Pod Bible. So I am there being very nervous today and uh, holding the whole Pod Bible brand on my shoulders. But uh, we are here today to specifically talk about indie podcasting and community building because we are an indie publication. So we like to try and uplift that a little bit. Um, going back to our panel, We have Kobe Omanaka, who is the host of Flix Watcher (laughs) and also the co founder of Stripped Media. We have Rosie Wilby, who is a comedian, author, and also host of the Breakup Monologues. And then we have Tom Dark, who most people, including myself, will probably know from the Monkey Tennis podcast. Uh, But also you are the founder of the, uh, oh my goodness. Darkside Media is a podcasting
3: company I've just started, but I also headed up podcast operations for Warner Records until quite recently as well.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So we have uh, a few different uh, views on this as well. Well, which is going to be fantastic. I would like to start by handing it over to uh, Kobe and ask wow. you with Flick Watch, Flicks Watcher. Flix Watcher. My goodness. You <laughs> just had to do the most complicated name for me to say. Flix Watcher. Mm-hmm. You have hit your 300th episode today. Yesterday. I believe. Yesterday. Yesterday. So, congratulations, yeah. first Thank you very off. Much. Yeah. Um, I would love to ask you, at what point you realised that the community behind the podcast, and, and this is for both Flix Watcher and uh, another show that you do, The Wire Strip. Yep. Both of them have massive communities in different ways. Uh, when did you realise that the the community was behind you and that was kind of like resonating with people?
2: Well, it's simple things like um, with Flix Watcher, so we invite other podcasters on to... Um, pick a film on Netflix. Rosie's been on the show before, so have you cell And Tom's going to join us at some point. If you guys are podcasters, send me a message because the lady in the the corner has been on the show as well. So we invite podcasters on to pick a film on Netflix and we chat about it. And it's that simple. So the first kind of indicator people behind us is that more and more people are well, like people asking to be on the show in general, of the podcasters. So that was really good to see that it's kind of resonating there. Also, we started asking people to give their comments, give their reviews of, of films before we went into recording. And then we started reading. You know, that we did that on Twitter, and we read that in the in the episodes. With the Wire Stripped, there's a thing in the, in the TV show, the Wire HBO, HBO show, The Wire, which is called a burner, which is like a, a disposable mobile phone. So we have this we have this um, section called the burner where we invite people to talk about the Wire anything they want to talk about. And lots and lots of people rang our burner phone, left messages on WhatsApp, and then we include them in the show. So it's just really nice to see things like that and audience interaction, just really tangibly in those kind of formats.
1: Fantastic. And Rosie, I'd like to ask you the same thing, because uh, you have a a slightly different path into your podcast in that you were doing things live on stage before, and you wrote books and that kind of thing. Uh, What was it about the podcast that you you found was resonating with people compared to the other media that you were doing um yes thank you fran well yes the
4: podcast is also now a book the breakup monologues just showing you that just to <laughs> get it into your eyeballs um
2: like can you can you buy that book anywhere <laughs> <laughs> you can kobe um
4: in fact two people could buy a copy from me today because i've got a couple in my bag we can do a pay what you can <laughs> and i can sign a filthy message but um yeah, I, I've been performing as a comedian for many, many years, particularly doing shows that investigate the psychology of love and relationships, which in itself is quite an intimate topic. And I particularly do that through a very inclusive lens and I'm most known within the queer community, uh, particularly in London, but also around the UK um, lovely queer places like Brighton I see one of my podcaster friends Andrew, over there so yeah The Breakup Monologues has largely been a podcast that I have recorded live at venues around and about we started off doing shows at King's Place in London and that was a really good way to engage an audience because when they're at a live show mm. you can interact with them in, in a slightly different way and people might come up to you in the interval and tell, tell you their breakup stories or share things with you so, I've really enjoyed because I'm a comedian and I'm used to performing live and, and having live shows. I've really enjoyed having that aspect to the show. That's not to say there aren't lots of people who just listen and don't come along to the live shows. Maybe we're not, we haven't reached their town or city because we don't know enough people there or a nice venue or whatever. But I think it's interesting how, when you're talking about something as intimate as a breakup, Um, even though we do do it live and we sort of laugh about it and we make it fun (laughs) sometimes or we sometimes we talk in really raw ways about Grief, you know, there's an intimacy to the medium of podcasting that I think is a really nice way of talking about these things, breakups. That when I started the breakup monologues, which because we're just seasonal, we've actually been going quite a while. And I had a bit of a break during the pandemic while I worked out what to do because we're a live show primarily. We've been going a little while, but yeah, it's it's really nice to see people kind of engaging with with the breakup kind of stories and. And wanting to share
1: fantastic, thank you, and Tom. I'm gonna to ask you the question in a slightly different way because, with the yeah. monkey tennis yeah. podcast in particular, I believe that that had quite a uh, fast out the gates <laughs> success, yeah. as it were. I mean, I guess
3: so. The kind of origin story of that being a group of friends going, Oh, we should give this podcasting thing a go because I think this is like 2016 maybe. So, because at that time, you, you know, you kind of look at all these podcast charts where things eight different shows about Game of Thrones or Mm. Breaking Bad were kind of all, like, popping off in podcast charts. We're like, well, look, going Alan Partridge is something we all know really well, we love it, and we'd enjoy, you know, having an hour's conversation about an episode, but being, you know, such a DIY thing, no expectation, no kind of plan for what it would be. So when we sat out and did that, it was like we recorded, I think, our first series over, like, a couple of weekends, like six episodes, kind of expecting that would be all we would do. A bit like, it's been a bit of a fun project for us, and maybe a few hundred people listen to it, but I think obviously the kind of the cheat code to it, really, in terms of like the the, the fan community building aspect, is obviously because we're kind of because it's about something that already exists. You have a pre-existing fan base there. Yeah. So at the moment it's the first podcast. I mean, obviously, you now have From the Oast House, which is a genuine Alan Partridge product. But, (laughs) you know, with it being the first ever podcast that had the Alan Partridge name on it, and I think, you know, all the podcast listeners that are also comedy fans finding that means that I think by our second or third week, we'd actually hit the number one spot on iTunes across the UK. So not just in TV and film, which obviously kind of absolutely blew our minds. But yeah, I mean, you know, you can kind of understand why, because, you know, you were seeing all these other kind of cult shows or films or whatever it might be, obviously appealing to audiences so I think I think that's the interesting thing, talking about building fan communities is it's kind of if you're making a podcast which already has an inbuilt fan base and what you're doing is you're supercharging that whole conversation because it's almost like you know you think about a podcast in 2023 is basically what a fanzine was in 1993 you know it's kind of it's that kind of direct fan interaction or it gives you the possibility for that so yeah that's kind of what happened with ours which was not expected.
2: No, for sure. You talk about uh, there being lots of Game of Thrones podcasts and stuff, mm. but I wouldn't let that put you off doing a podcast. If you already feel there's other podcasts in that niche, because if you're a real fan who's involved and wants to be interested in that, they will listen to more podcasts. Uh, yeah. Case in point, I listen to about eight Succession podcasts.
3: Yes, exactly. but that's yeah. it. If you're a big yeah, enough yeah. fan, you'll just it's dive it. into yeah. all of them. And so, I think also, you know, I think there can be such a difference in tone. Like, yes, a lot of the these kind of, I mean, they are kind. of Termed recap podcasts yeah. these days, aren't they? A lot of these recap podcasts come from the US, I find anyway, and like US fan led or like bigger kind of like like broadcasters share, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think you know, there's still a win to be had if you're a UK podcaster wanting to talk about American shows, and the tone of it is totally mm. different. So Yeah, that's very true, yeah.
1: So I'd like to know in that case, because you you both, um, you all kind of like touched on it a little bit, particularly Rosie and Kobe. Obviously you have the podcast that you are putting out there to a, a potential community, but how else do you engage that community Outside of the podcast, are you using social media? Are you using uh, any other, obviously, the live platforms for yourself, but anything else that you're using there to kind of, like, engage people? Uh, Kobe, I'll go back to you first.
2: Yeah, so we have a newsletter that's associated with strip media. Generally, in strip media, we've got, like, 12 podcasts. As part of our network. So every month we send out a newsletter, which is lovingly created actually by Fran. He writes <laughs> every month. And that's just a, an update to say, you know, big landmark episodes. So one of our podcasts, um, ninety minutes or less film fest that had its hundredth episode last week and same same kind of time as watch time it's three hundredth episode. And then when new seasons start for shows, it's good to announce it on that platform as well. So that gets like really good engagement. That's really good to see that going out and people sign up for it as well.
1: Fantastic. And uh, Tom, is there anything in particular in terms of getting, getting that kind of like feedback onto shows? Yeah, on t- I mean, shows? I,
3: th- I think the feedback has become such a huge part of what we do because I think that that is definitely the most key thing in terms of fostering that kind of fan community around around a show. So yeah, I mean, you know, we do the kind of classic social media where I think, you know, when we're in series is making sure each week we have a post that goes across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, about the episode each week so you've kind of got a jump off point for discussion in that post and that thread but then i think the things which have been most beneficial for us is probably having an email inbox and having a whatsapp number like you talk about your burner phone thing yeah. in fact when we started bringing that in that's been amazing because i'd love at getting you know other people's actual voices yeah. on the show it makes it feel like such a kind of more interesting Definitely. listen but yeah i think the the more in-depth forms of communication so like the length of some of the emails we get about discussing things that have happened in the show or what people think a character arc like story arc might be, or it's just kind of, it's, it's amazing. And I think that's been probably the most rewarding thing is like I say, when we started going, Oh, we'll do six episodes and that's it. We now kind of start each series with probably two feedback episodes. Mm. So we're drawing down all the kind of communication we've had across our social media, the best emails we've had and the best um, WhatsApp voice notes we've had as well. So that kind of the richness of the communication I think has been the best thing because I mean sometimes emails are so long we have a bit of a job to edit them down <laughs> <laughs> just so the shows aren't like two hours at a time yeah. but yeah I think I think it's it definitely feels beneficial to have have as many touch points as you can so you're giving people as many different ways to get in touch with you as they yeah. can as well
2: yeah when we when we first started with the wire stripped and we got our, uh, our email address quite early on we got a um, an ex heroin addict from Baltimore who's like wow dude I love the fact you're talking about the wire and stuff. Now he lives in the Netherlands, which I'm not sure is the best place to get away from the <laughs> but, um But we, we, we were so moved by a story, we, like brought him onto the show and, oh. and asked, him, asked him questions. Cause we didn't, you know, we're four, uh, three or four guys from, um, from the UK, never been to Baltimore, never done any, any hard drugs really or anything like that. So it was good to get his story and his opinion and be able to tell the perspective from that side. And that was really kind of powerful as well. So if you can engage with people like that and bring him into the show, just adds a nice, like, like a nice tapestry yeah. To the episodes so it's not just the same voices each time and people I think really like vibe off that. And with your show you got you got different uh, guests each time as well right? And so it's
4: Yeah, it's rotating guests on my show. So obviously you can reach the communities that those different guests reach and when we record at different venues reaching their communities as well. But I think perhaps coming off the back of what you were saying, there's also something in terms of listeners getting in contact with a show like mine, or maybe anything that deals with any area connected to mental health, Mm. is we've also got sort of duty of care when people are getting in touch You know, sometimes I get some quite extreme breakup stories emailed to me stories of abusive relationships or really, really difficult, challenging times for people or people who are even suicidal. So, obviously, there's the kind of fun aspects of engaging with audiences, but then there's also a certain responsibility if you talk about anything that might be a difficult experience for people you might need to sort of give them some support numbers or you know websites where they could refer to for therapy or, or help really
1: that leads on really nicely to my next question so thank you very much for that <laughs> um i believe that uh, you have been named the lesbian louis ferroux <laughs> <laughs> In the past, which is quite a quite a name, and uh, you are a solo podcaster as well, so Tom and kobe, you have a, a team and a panel when mm-hmm. you're doing your yeah. podcast but rosie as a a solo podcaster, do you have any advice for people that are essentially setting themselves up as a a leader of a community in the same way that you are
4: yeah i mean it's hard work what i would say is um i would like to shout out i do have a fabulous editor dave pickering who's a wonderful figure in the podcast world if people know Dave. dave yeah and um so that's the only part really that I don't do is because I'm not that interested in the tech aspect of it. Um but I do do pretty much everything else, booking the shows, booking the guests, doing all the marketing and PR and all the kind of admin stuff and social media. And yeah, it can be it can be a lot I'm wearing a lot of of different hats and one day you're sort of trying to be all charming and liaising with venues and Trying to get get tour dates booked or get your podcast on at festivals, um, which is actually a really really great thing. Mm. I mean, some of my festival shows. I mean, you actually introduced me to the program at Latitude, yeah. so thank you. Do liaise with <laughs> other podcasters. You can this share. That's
2: one of the main things. Like you know, great concerts. Say hello to the people next to you if you don't know
4: them. Yeah, um, and you never know who you, who you might meet. So yeah, what was the question again? i kind of. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm the lesbian Louis Theroux. What?
2: Well, hang yeah. on.
1: What? What? what was... <laughs> how? How? How would you recommend other people become the something Louis Theroux, (laughs) any any recommendations? Well, I don't
4: think I've got as many followers as as Louis Theroux, but then that's in keeping with me being the lesbian Louis Theroux because (laughs) lesbians don't have as many followers as as Louis Theroux. Well, some do, I suppose. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to prove you wrong here. That's
4: <laughs> but in general, in general, we live in a heteronormative world. Did you know, Kobe? Um and, and a white world, you know. So, so there's all kinds of barriers that we're all thinking about, aren't there? So. <laughs> Yeah I I think it's great to have little tag names and actually the one that I prefer to that now is Radio 4 when I was on Saturday Live a few years ago. They called me the queen of breakups so that's the one I'm sort of adopting now. I should have a little crown. Um, A couple of other things that I just wanted to touch on again that I also wanted to say about the, the podcast and doing comedy shows is I always used to be frustrated that even when you recorded a comedy show or filmed it it didn't feel like you captured it but I think in a way the audio of a podcast does mm. capture something in the way in the way that when you video something you don't capture it i don't know what it is about that you capture something about the energy in a completely different way whereas i think a video of a live thing that you weren't at feels a bit flat whereas the audio doesn't I, it's a really odd thing that i find i find really interesting but yeah i will hand over to the others now
1: Tom, I would be interested to hear uh, almost from the opposite side of things. So you mentioned that you've done work with uh, Warner mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, obviously you have uh, your, your own company yeah. as well, which you've just set up. So how is that different when you are essentially working behind the scenes to, to help build that community rather than being the, the voice of it?
3: I guess in my experience, it isn't hugely different because with Monkey Tennis, that was so DIY, you know, it's just kind of four of us and a producer but kind of doing everything. So all the social stuff, booking, like, we, I mean, we've only done quite small tours in years gone by, but again, doing that all very hands-on as well. So, you know, when it's been doing stuff with Warner and doing kind of artist-led podcasts, so probably a really good example of that is something like a show called The Life of the Party, which is hosted by DJ Jody Harsh. I mean it's kind of the same thing It's like all the things you're thinking about is going how are we going to make sure that there are touch points and conversation points with a podcast episode to that audience so it doesn't matter whether you're talking about alan partridge or whether you're talking about i don't know talking to tom daly about the big nights out of the met ball he's had to j d harsh it's like it's like you want to kind of find a way to make i guess make things relatable to the relevant audience but also kind of like i think you know finding clips that are going to connect most on social media is like such a key thing particularly in kind of like the music business world where I think you know it's people kind of expect to see like video clips of chats and stuff so you know making sure we actually I mean interestingly to to your point Rosie like we we made sure we actually visualized so we filmed those episodes but then we would choose like the best one minute clip that goes on socials and then the best 10 minute clip that might go on YouTube so yeah because then you're trying to just like draw out those bits of stories which you know because Using J D Harsh's example, you know, she'll have loads of followers, but you've got to try and convert them to want to listen to her chat to somebody for an hour. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of create those windows of kind of interest to, to delve into it. And yeah, that, that really is kind of harnessing an artist's social media in the same way that you would do with a podcast show that is an original idea. So I don't, I don't in my experience, I don't think the, the main ways you do that are different, but obviously, you know, it's the sort of thing the fact you could email the monkey tennis team directly about a show you're not going to probably email Jodie Harsh directly but you've still got the social media where you can kind of have that interaction and I think you know another thing I'd say just added to that idea is I just the interaction I think is like the key thing about it if if your listeners and the fan base you're creating feel like they've got that dialogue and feel like they've got quality interaction with you I think that is what reinforces everything, creates a strong bond, forms a community, and keeps on building it. I think that's the most important thing. So it's, whether it's a back and forth on Twitter, whether it's an email which is then read out, whether it's a WhatsApp voice note, it's having that dialogue so fans really feel like they become a part of that community. I think that's the most important thing, probably, no matter who you're making the show for. I think that answers the question.
1: It does it very much does and the the last kind of like main question that i'll ask i think is uh the one that is probably the most selfish but hopefully will help people in the room as well um as well as being part of pod bible i also have my my own small network tremula network which i set up last year Mm -hmm. and uh kobe i have to say that was partly inspired by the fact that you have stripped media and you started with your podcasts, and then were doing so many of them that you you ended up making the the network yeah. how how did you know that it was uh, the right move to go into something that was a bit more consolidated in that way
2: well um so it starts off with FlixWatcher watcher and then did wirestripped um and because the podcast community is awesome get to know other podcasters um I'm, I'm quite surprised it's the first time i met you tom because mm, yeah, i yeah. met so many other podcasters in and around We've just got to be really good friends with the guys and we just thought well there's a few of us that have the same kind of idea of a pop culture podcast like the 90 minutes or less film fest for example song by song we just thought it'd be great to work together and help to get us, all the podcasts out as a community. So it was as simple as that, really. And Strip Media, because it's the wire Stripped as the, a name. Uh, but it's been really, it's been super beneficial to, to everyone that's uh, been a part of it. And we do get people who want to join like all the time. We just don't necessarily have the capacity to do so. Um But I just wanted to echo uh, something that Tom was saying. And one of the things that really helped us is, oh, sorry, Rosie said it um, with Dave Pickering. I've never edited anything ever in the podcast because I just know it'll be the, a big roadblock to the podcast getting out. So if you are trying to build your podcast and build a community, maybe find the people, I do all the social media stuff like Rosie's saying, find the people that can help you out in the places that you're weakest at, and that will help your podcast grow as much as possible. I know this might cost some money or you might get someone who's just really into what you're doing and, and join you, but that, that's definitely helped. And when we to strip media, we've got a few people who've helped out along the way and fran's helped out on a few of the podcasts that we've we've done for example that's been really really powerful yeah.
1: thank you the last thing i will ask all of you now is obviously we talked a lot about how uh, you yourselves are, are kind of like leading communities but are there any podcasts that you would like to give a shout out to that you would say you are a member of the community and you you follow what they're doing uh tom i'll hand over to you i mean i, th- I was thinking about it. i think probably
3: for me because i'm quite a keen runner it's probably the running podcast i listen to because i guess because they do end up basically being your accompaniment on like the longer runs you go on Mm. so particularly shows like running commentary and bad boy running which are kind of like duos of basically friends running commentary they record whilst they go on a run so that's (laughs) as an audio experience that's like one of the best things you can listen to if you're struggling to get through a run because it's like they're kind of with you almost and you know bad boy running is more just like chatting about the running community so I I guess there's that kind of companionship thing they can give you because you know running can be a a quite a singular pursuit sometimes but um I think also with those sort of things particularly bad boy running like when I first came to that they had I mean they still do have a really thriving like Facebook community and used to do kind of like meetups and whether those be I mean probably the best thing I did with them we did a run basically across London that was also a pub crawl so we basically started at (laughs) started at the brew dog in Clapham Common and worked our way across to like Camden, stopping at every oh, wow. brew dog along the way. So you know it's not the most healthy way to do a run, but it was a lot of fun. So you know it's amazing to see how you can re- you know just from being a podcast listener, you can then not only obviously get to meet people and get to know people and form friendships, but you know there could be like bigger events which aren't even about podcasts themselves the fact it's kind of running pub crawl sort of thing so yeah that's that's been a lot of fun yeah
1: fantastic
4: and rosie well i'm going to mention two podcasts quickly i'm a big fan of tennis because my wife is a tennis coach to uh, leading tennis players including emma who won the us open uh, Mm. a couple of years ago and the tennis podcast does a really brilliant job of making all their listeners feel part of the community and i'm regularly tweeting at them and Catherine Whitaker, one of the um, presenters, follows me and comments on my Twitter a lot. Um, I also want to mention, because he's sitting here smiling at me, Andrew (coughs) Fluitt has a wonderful podcast called Queer I Am, and I particularly love listening to podcasts from within the queer community and listening to our creators comedians authors podcasters and interesting people doing stuff i also just wanted to say i'm going to start incorporating a lot more interactivity into my podcast so do send me your breakup stories if they're ones that are really difficult that you don't want being shared just make that clear of course but i think something that i haven't done enough of is actually share listeners stories and i think i want to start doing a lot of that so starting to put the call out, out now
1: fantastic
4: thank you and
1: kobe
2: i listen to like all the pop for podcasts but there's um, a guy called David Chen who's based in America. Um, he runs a Decoding TV network. And this is a guy who's working for, kind of mirrors a lot of the stuff I did, working in corporate life, um, but doing podcasting on the side. And he got to a stage where he's like, oh, I can do this full time. So he's, I started off listening to him with the Game of Thrones podcast. Now he does a succession one. Uh, he's got a film podcast called Filmcast. So Decoding TV networks. So I think last year he moved away from working at Apple and Google and stuff and fully went out on his own. And I think that's really, uh, really commendable. It's like saying so, like tom's left warner which must have been like a big big hug of a company to yeah. to be a part of yeah. and they you going know, struck out by yourself so that's um, i'm still working like 90 on corporate stuff but i like it though so <laughs> decoding network
1: fantastic thank you and yeah if you if you want to know more and have a listen to any of those ones i would go and recommend it we will be putting all of those in the show notes if you are listening to this on a future <laughs> Recording. We are. I'm so proud of myself because I have exactly two minutes left on my timer. Slow <laughs> time. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> so we have just enough time for everybody on the panel to give a quick shout out as to where we can find you and how to find your podcasts. Tom.
3: Okay. I mean, yeah. For me, everything on social media now is Darkside Media HQ, and oh god, the Monkey Tennis socials are either mon- at Monkey Tennis Pod or at the Partridge Pod. I think they're all out at the partridge pod but but Instagram is at Monkey Tennis Pod. We did those over a few years so it got a bit messy <laughs> basically. Yeah.
1: Just have a, a quick search in some way on Google.
4: Rosie. I'm at Rosie Willby on Twitter, at Breakup Monologues on Instagram, at Rosie be author on TikTok. I've got loads of different ones as well, haven't I? And you can find the podcast so at Breakup the Monologues. Try and have everyone. consistent I know. social media and handles. We've all, we've <laughs> all done do, very don't do badly. Done. Don't yeah. do what we've done. Um, That's a tip. And the Breakup Monologues book is available on all the good bookie
3: places as well.
2: There's an app called Name Checker where you can put a name in and see if it's available all the places that really can see? help you see
3: well, I wish I'd known about that about eight years ago
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so stripped media search for stripped media you can see all our shows there and links to Flixwatcher there's different names on different platforms but if you type in Flixwatcher you'll it'll be kind of clear which one we are so do join us and like i say if you are a podcast and want to come on and talk about films on netflix then give me a shout
1: fantastic and with 16 seconds to spare um you can <laughs> of course find Pop bible magazine here at the show today so come and find us at the j13 store so we're the opposite side of where we are now find us online popbiblemag.com and if you want to find out more about my small network as well it is tremula.network online and then confusingly just tremular network without the dot on social media um so yeah please do to get in touch if you are interested thank you all for coming
0: there you go thank you very much to fran and of course thank you to our wonderful guests kobe rosie and tom If you enjoyed that, then obviously I recommend that you go and check out the podcast that those three are involved with Uh, and the businesses as well. There's a couple of networks. Rosie's got her book out, so you should go and check that out as well. Uh, And of course, Fran, not only is the digital editor at Pod Bible, does a fantastic job, but also has their own podcast network in the Tremula network, does a lot of fantastic other work with other podcasts, is a Producer, fantastic writer, a jack of all trades, basically, is Fran. And uh, she's been smashing it for us as digital editor. So thank you, Fran, uh, for being up for heading up that panel. It was great. I was in the front row, I was lapping it up, and very excited to be there. It was also one of the busiest panels. There were people trying to get in who couldn't. The room was totally full, and we got lots of lovely feedback in the minutes hours and days after the event of lots of people saying it was a very beneficial panel so I hope you all enjoyed it I hope you enjoyed the recording thank you so much to Buddy Peace uh, who took the recording and made it sound uh, as wonderful as you just heard it we had four different microphones I think two people had handheld and two people had the little uh, Madonna style headset so Yeah, Buddy had his work cut out there. But thank you very much to Buddy Peace as always. Buddy was at the show as well. Nice to say hello to him. And yeah, I just want to echo what I said at the start. It was a wonderful event. We saw loads of great people, uh, had a great time, made loads of new contacts, met loads of old friends. And we will be back there next year, of course, at the podcast show in London. Thank you very much to everybody who's listened. Uh, If you want to check out Pod Bible, you can at podbiblemag.com. We have all of the magazines in our back catalogue available to download or to order if you want a print copy. We've got all of the wonderful articles, lists, Q&As, interviews, all kinds of stuff uh, curated by Fran, our digital editor over at podbiblemag.com. And you can also sign up to our weekly newsletter that Fran puts together. If you go to the homepage, there's a little box on the right-hand side where you can put your email address in. All right, we will be back. Uh, There will be other sporadic bonus episodes of the Podbubble podcast. But until then, thank you very much to ACAST. We're part of the ACAST Creator Network. And thank you to everybody who's listened. And massively thank you to Fran. And we'll speak to you all soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.